positive reinforcement in, in terms of, hey, I love this job. Hey, I'm trying to make things better. They forgot that passion and they now become these negative Nancy's. Welcome to the Triple P Podcast, premier, professional, and proactive, brought to you by the Ohio Fire Chiefs Association. I'm your host, Clayton O'Brien, and I'm the fire chief for the city of Oregon. I'm joined by my co-host, Captain Joel Fry from the city of Napoleon. Welcome to the Triple P Podcast. Uh, this is uh, this is uh, an exciting one with uh, Mark Von Hoppen. Um, Mark is uh, actually a member of the California Fire Service since 1998. He's assigned to the Suppression Division where he holds the rank of Captain. He is a committee member of California State Fire Training and has contributed to the development of firefighter survival and rapid intervention curriculums. Mark has been published in Fire Engineering Magazine, Fire Service Warrior, uh, he is a creator of the Fire Service Leadership blog, Fully Involved. He has been selected as a speaker at FDIC International in 2015, 16, and 17, he is a well, uh, as well as Firehouse World 2015 and 2016. He is an instructor for the Santa Clara Joint County Fire Academy, a recruit instructor for Palo Alto Fire, an academy instructor at Evergreen Community College, and a member of the Nobody Gets Left Behind training group. He has been involved in public speaking since 2006. Uh, that's quite the uh, that's quite the bio there, uh, Mark. So uh, I want to just say, just give everybody a moment to just you know make sure you get all the attention that you need because I know when I first met you, you know you're you're a guy that needs a little, you know a lot of attention. So um, yeah, <laughs> I, I take that from you. So uh, welcome, Mark Von Hoppen. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Me. Yep. So, so we're super happy to have you, man. I think it's going to be uh, uh, excellent just to kind of talk about, um, you know, some of the things that we talked about a little bit right before um, I actually hit record. And, um, you know, it was the experience that, uh, you know, I had met you in the in the Ohio Fire Chiefs uh, conference. Uh, you did a great presentation, and uh, we talked a little bit about um, you know all the the things that you're most passionate about. So, if you want to, you know, just kind of start there, and we'll kind of see where it leads us to. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for the introduction. I'm I'm glad that you made me sound incredibly narcissistic and needy. That's great uh, because that usually is a good good icebreaker. People like to know that about people coming in um, the situation. But in terms of you know uh, you know what am I most passionate about? I'm most passionate about people, and I think that that's really what when you break everything down. Um, you know, in in our world, it's it's all about relationships in the firehouse and building those relationships and creating good strong a good strong foundation of accountability between, you know, the people in the firehouse, um, you know, the leader, uh, the, the company officer, whoever that is, and the brothers and sisters that work there, um, all working together so that we can go out and, and deliver, you know, a, a great service to the communities that we, we, you know, are invested in and care so much about. So it's all, you know, it all, if you had to draw like a big circle around, you know, whatever, you know, I think is most important in the fire service. It's, it's obviously the people when you talk about budgets and you talk about, you know, um, equipment and, and, and those things. And yeah, those are super important, but without, you know, driven, motivated, outstanding people getting on the rigs every single day and showing up at the firehouses to do their jobs, um, all that stuff just sits there and collects dust. So it's, it's, that's the thing that I am most passionate about is people and building relationships. Um, so yeah, that's a good way to put it, um, you know, because I think that it doesn't matter how many fancy trucks you have or how good the station looks or any of that stuff, because none of it, none of it is able to go out, um, you know, and answer the calls if it ain't for the people. Uh, but un unfortunately, like, you know, you hear those comments sometimes that, um, you know, firefighters are, you know, they are, their careers are kind of ended inside the firehouse you know like just through culture have you ever heard like where they're like these maybe you young passionate individuals that are you know eager and wanting to learn and you know do all these things in the fire department but at some point they get to a place where they forgot that passion and they now become these negative nancies and and they're they're um they try to you know get other people in that same negative well i think that you know kind of what you're you know, what we call it in my department is being retired in place. And just, I think what happens is you have these people that um, are super passionate about the fire service. And, and part of the, the curse of caring in the fire service um, is that by virtue of what we do, we show up and we make a difference and we get immediate results, right? You know, we, we show up on whatever kind of a call it is and we, 
we make it better almost immediately by showing up and we're welcomed in and and we're revered and you know, all you got to do is, is look at when a fire engine drives down the street. I mean, you can hear you can hear kids when you drive past a school. Little kids will just run up and grab the fence and and through the over the 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 drone of the engine and and through your headset, you can hear kids just yell "fire truck!" and they they just love you. And so that adoration, you want that to carry over into everything that you do um, on the job. And so you know, when you've got this passion for the job you know, whatever it is, um, sometimes, you know, when, when you're excited about doing something on the job, it creates more work for somebody else. If you come up with a project to, to, to try to, you know, change how things are done in the organization, it, it creates work for um, not only yourself, but other people within the organization. And so, you know, people just, you know, aren't always receptive to that. And so what that does is that, that, lack of you know positive reinforcement in in terms of hey i love this job hey i'm trying to make things better hey i i want to contribute when you're continually you know rebuffed at your efforts it it can lead to frustration and then it can lead to people acting out and it can lead to people you know worse shutting down very early in their career and i think that that's 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 the worst thing that i've seen um is is people that come in super passionate and burn out too early because you know people people don't support them sometimes and that that's difficult and that's that's the trick i think in in your career is and that's one thing that i learned over the 25 and a half years that i've been in is is uh, the hard way i've learned it the hard way is that it you have to maintain a healthy level of of engagement that you can maintain throughout your career and you are going to have ebbs and flows but overall you have to you have to maintain <laughs> it sounds silly but some somewhat of a sunny disposition where you have to understand you know you have to always remember how hard it was to get the job and how much you love it and how how long for me personally it took me to get the job and and that that would and you'll have your brothers and sisters that are on the right path as well that will remind you of those things and um but you know i think you know, the overarching, you know, thing that I had to remember too is more people care about the job and more people are invested in the job than aren't. But the people that are not invested in the job and, and um, you know, uh, complain a lot and, and I've been you know guilty of it too, constitute probably about 10% of it's, you know, set that 80-20 rule. And I was talking to a fire chief yesterday about it. And she said, you know, the whole 80-20 thing is totally true, except for I think it's it's more like a 90-10. 90% of people do the right thing, and then there's a 10% that, that really do occupy a lot of your time and, and have a lot of negative energy. And if, you know, the, the goal is, you know, like I said, to, to maintain a healthy level of engagement. That's what we have to remind people of um, throughout their career. And especially early on is, is, you know, pace yourself. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, but everything we do is a hundred miles an hour and we want to, we want instant gratification. And so that's, that's the problem. Right. And so I think that the nature of our job lends itself to saying, Oh, we should be able to do this right now. And we can't, and, and patience is not something that, that firefighters are, are good at demonstrating a lot. Yeah. They're just, uh, they, you know, back to the point of like the 90, 20 or the 90, 10 or 80, 20. Um, I kind of feel the same way where, um, but but also in, in the shoes of, of fire chief, like I look at it a little bit different where I would rather just focus all my time on the 90% or the 80%. And you know what? The 20% and I, I actually say it's 80, 10, 10, where 80% are, you know, pretty much on board. They're engaged. Uh, 10% that are going to be, you know, kind of, you know, the ship has already sailed. So that's the 80%. The ship is already off the dock. There's uh there's people that are within swimmable distance. If they jump off the dock, they can still get on board type of thing. And mm -hmm. then there's people that, you know, um, are so far behind that it didn't matter that that ship is too far gone that they may not find themselves on. Um, and so when they become, when they become so far gone, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's trying to kind of reinforce and maybe change. And as leaders within our departments, maybe trying to look at ways of re-coaching them in different ways to get them engaged. Because as you talked about a lot, it's really about being engaged. And I, I would say what, changed me the most in my fire service career was early on, um, worked for very poor leadership. And, um, and until I had an epiphany of, you know, three, 
five years in, said, you know what? I'm not going to let this guy steal my, the best job in the world. You know, I don't want to come to work and be negative all the time and just have a bad attitude. Like we have the best job in the world. So, um, let him do his thing. And, but you know what? It's not going to change how I talk to the public, answer the call, train, make sure I'm, you know, the best of, of, of the best for what we're trying to do. And I think that that's what we try to really reinforce to young individuals today because they can be so they're just sponges, you know, right at the beginning when they start. Right. Right. And they're going to mirror the behaviors that they see. And, and yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's funny, you know, you were talking about, you know, the 80, 10, 10 thing, you know, it, it reminded me of, of, of a little snippet of a, a reel that I saw from Nick Saban. And he talked about getting the right people on the bus. You know, he says, you got to get the right people on the bus and the people that, that don't want to be on the bus, you got to get them off the bus because, you know, um, and, and, we don't really have that ability necessarily in the fire service to get those people off the bus. You know, there's, there's certain protections in place for employees that, that are good um, that, that also can hinder us in, in, in other ways. Um, but the, what it's incumbent upon us to do in leadership roles, you know, you as a fire chief or, or me uh, as a company officer, it's important that we find ways to speak to those people and, and engage them one-on-one and, and maybe understand where their frustration comes from and, and hear that from them and then find ways to say, Hey, listen, I don't need you to be that person that is leading the charge and training every single day, but there are things that you are good at and, and I need you to be there for those things. And I would like you to take, you know, uh, ownership of some of these things that, you know, first of all, take ownership of how you show up, show up and, and be coachable, be, somewhat positive. You know, a lot of the things that we hold grudges about in the organization um, happened years ago and a lot of those people are gone and we, we, we carry these crosses and we, we punish people in the present for the sins of people that are already retired. And that's, that's the hard thing because we carry those things with us. Uh, you know, I find myself sometimes talking about, you know, this chief did that or this guy did that. And it's like, well, shoot, they retired 10 years ago. Why am I wasting any time talking about them? They're, they're not thinking about us. They're, you know, polishing their classic car and enjoying retirement and doing things like that. So, you know, I think it's what I think if you, if you can build those relationships, and like I said, it's all about relationships. If, if you can engage people and talk to them one-on-one and foster that relationship and show that you care about them and that you're invested in them. The, and I'm speaking about these maybe 10 percenters who are really difficult to reach. If you can get them to just show up and, you know, a lot of them, they'll do their job. I mean, they're, they're just not excited about it, but just do me a favor. Don't trash talk the organization. No trash talk the fire service. That's a good, that's, you a, know, that's and, a really good point because you know, they will do their job. They'll do whatever's asked for them, but they may not carry the initiative uh, that, or the passion for the job or may not like it. Um, they treat it like a job and, and that could be honestly when I, so I had a, um, a young guy, Super, super good, super good fireman. Um, great uh, EMT. He was actually going to be leaving our organization, and he came in and talked to me about it. Um, was going to go to a neighboring organization, and one of the things that I explained to him is I just talked to him about like, hey, he said, hey man, I said, you know, you're you're super passionate about the job, and um, and I said the one thing that might be very frustrating for you is when you go to a larger organization. Um, you may find yourself around individuals over time that aren't as passionate about the job as you are. So don't let them take that passion away from you just because they're not passionate about it, but just understand that there's some people out there that just don't look at the fire service or our job as, you know, they're calling. They look at it as it's a job. Yeah. And the thing is, people, you can be very good at your job and not be passionate about it. You can be completely dispassionate and be super functional. And, and there's, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, that surprise you, you know, you get them in a training situation or you see them on a fire and you don't think they're paying attention to anything. And they're like, wow, they're, look at them. You know, I mean, they, they do a really good job. And so that's, you know, people articulate how they feel about the job in different ways. You know, some of us, some of us, uh, dive in, you know, head first and, and, you know, and, and we go to as many classes as we can. We talk about it as much as we can and it's our hobby and it's our love and it's our, 
whatever it is. And, and other people have other things that they, they, they love to do as well. And, and, you know, most firefighters are, are super smart and can compartmentalize really well. And, and just because someone doesn't, and it, that was a struggle that I went through was, was dealing with, you know, fighting through that, not understanding people not having the passion for the job that I had. And I often, you know, talk about the fact that I would want to, you know, reach out and strangle people sometimes, not literally, but figuratively, um, because they didn't love the job as much as I did. And I, I felt that, that they didn't, they couldn't possibly understand what I was asking them to grasp, but they didn't have that emotional investment that I had. And I don't necessarily know that that's totally true. I mean, you can have top performers that, 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 are completely dispassionate about the job and just are just they're they're good enough and they've been doing their job long enough that, that you can trust them to do their job they and and that's what you have to understand is you have to, you have to maintain a baseline level of proficiency mm -hmm. we all know that mm -hmm. um and and how do we understand where people are with that we we get them there through training and and scenarios and things like that and if, if people are performing at a high level in those things and they're they're willing to show up and take classes and be active participants and learn and all that you know on the job and they're willing to take coaching from the people that go outside um and support their passion they may not be super excited about it but hey teach me a new trick i'll listen i'll learn um because this is my job this is how i put bread on the table so that's you know there's a lot of different ways that that people you know get through their career and and some of and i think it's difficult you know sometimes it's it's more difficult to be that passionate person and it, it is it is easier to just cruise along and just say oh whatever you know i'm just i'm just here paydays and four days and and do a good job um you know when when you're invested when you're super invested in it and you love it and you're trying to you know beat the drum for positive change that's that's when you can you know get yourself you know in trouble you know and and you know burn out because it's it's hard to be that person all the time and that's why somewhere in the middle you know, the, the truth lies, you know, it's, it's, it's maintaining that high level of proficiency and a baseline level of passion where you're like, Hey, I'm still excited about the job. Hey, I still love the things that, that, that are great about the job. And I'm still going to try to learn as much as I can. But the, the problem too is life gets in the way, doesn't it? I mean, you, mm -hmm. you, you know, you, sometimes people get married and have kids and all that other stuff. And, and it, you know, and rightfully so that should take precedence your family and your kids should take precedence over, you know, the job. Um, so, and that's a hard one for people to grasp sometimes too, you know, especially when you're brand new and young, you, you look at these people that are middle-aged in their career and they've got little kids and, and all that, and you don't get it. And they're talking, I mean, I remember cruising around on the engine one time when I was newly married and we didn't have kids and my captain had just had their, my captain and his wife had just had their first baby and he kept talking about you know, the baby's poop and the baby was pooping. It was so cute. It was all this stuff. And I was just like, God, barf, man. All I want to do is go to fires and talk about fires. And you're talking about baby poop. So anyway, it just wasn't. <laughs> but then it's a different perspective when you have your own, you know, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then I understood it. Yep. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't obsess about my baby's Oops, but you know <laughs> i think so. there's just, like i do i i truly believe there's like different phases in the fire in the firefighter career uh, maybe like phase one okay you know phase one you are you're a sponge you want to you you want to learn everything you're eager you're wanting you're brand new in the job you just got you just tested against all these other people you went through this rigorous process medical uh everything you know and you got the job so day one you're excited um you get on it you know and that happens for you know a year three up to maybe you know, two, three years on the job, two, three years on the job comes. And then now it's like, you know, you've gotten through your probation, you've made it through, and now you are God's gift to firefighting, you know, like, you know, it all like, um, and so you are, I think that that's where it really comes out. I'm the, you know, the alpha male type of deal. And, and, um, you're God's gift to firefighting until the point where you become a little complacent. And then I would say maybe five to seven years, that firefighter falls into that, humbling experience and then they just kind of like they don't know what they don't know something something got them whether it be in a call training event something they went to a class their eyes were wide open and then boom they now become that mature firefighter and um 
I don't know, maybe the, uh, uh, is it the Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, like, you know, you, you go your highs, your lows type of thing. And, and um, so can, can you comment on that? Do you, do you think that there's different phases along the way as oh, well? Oh, absolutely. As, as, I was, as I was listening to you, you know, talk about that, I was, I was thinking about my own spin on it. And I, I, I've, I, I've, I, I would describe it this way. You start off your career as an idealist. You come in and you think the fire service is going to be a certain way. Um, and you're just bright eyed, bushy tailed, super excited and, and everything is, everything's great. And then, and then you do go out and you start to, so you're very idealistic at the beginning, right? And then you go through this phase where maybe you step outside your organization and you start going and, and taking classes and, and seeing what's out there in the world and you become radicalized where you, you, you want to change everything all at once. You become that know-it-all type person, like you said. And that phase goes on for a while until, you know, there is maybe some type of an event that's humbling to you or you get your ass kicked so much by trying to, to take on every project possible and cure every perceived ill in your department. And then you become, you, you basically become a pragmatist. So you go idealist to radical to pragmatist where you're like, oh, okay, this it is what it is, and I'm just going to have to accept what it is, manage my expectations, and just try to get along to, so that I can survive and make it through my career healthy, both uh, you know, uh, in body, in mind, and in, in emotionally. So it's, you know, I, I think that those are the three phases of it. And, and when I when I, you know, where that came from was talking to my dad. You know, through going through you know, um, some things that he went through in his coaching career as a football coach. Um, same thing. And, and the way that I described it when, when I, I wrote this, um, article with him called three decades of perspective. And I wrote it probably 10 years ago. Um, but it, it talked about the, the 30 year arc that he went through in his coaching career. And that was how I described it was, he was very idealistic, very naive, and then, you know, had some success and, and learned some things from some of the greatest, you know, in that realm. And then he became a radical and he took some hard stands on some things and, and, and got himself in some hot water, um, you know, and, and got a reputation as being somewhat of a hothead. And then, um, you know, then, you know, later on, once he, you know, got later on in his coaching career and, and, um, you know, into retirement, you know, he just became very pragmatic and he looked back on some of the things that he did and said, you know, I probably could have managed the things a little bit better. And the things that I did, uh, you know, with the idea that I was going to make some sort of a big splash and some sort of big impact, you know, the, the, the rock that I threw in the water didn't, you know, make a big enough splash and it didn't, the ripples didn't shift the sands on the intended shore. So sometimes there's a way to, to get along that, that doesn't require, you know, this, these big overt displays of, you know, um, energy and emotion and things like that. There's, there's different ways to get at it. So that's, I mean, you know, I would just use some different words, but I think that, that it's exactly, you know, what you described is exactly how I would describe it. Just using different words. Well, I think that, um, you know, I, I honestly, when you, when I came across fully involved, it was actually on uh, Facebook, um, I didn't realize it was a full on blog. I, I had seen, you know, the different blurps that you had put out there and, you know, things that these short, you know, short sentences that, you know, really, really, you know, made a lot of sense. Um, so then when I started looking, looking up the different stuff that you'd put out there and man, you're a really good writer. So like you have a lot of different articles, they stretch back for a long time. Um, so full disclaimer, I do want to make sure that it's full disclaimer. I, I'm just giving, I was giving Mark just a hard time at the very beginning about all this attention because of the jokes that we had at the conference. So I know that maybe not everybody, you know, really fully understands that, but I, it's I wanna... okay. I mean, I, 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 if, if people, meet me in person. I'll see exactly what you're talking about. So, uh, but, um, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I, in fact, I, you know, I really, I really kind of want to get back to the writing. That's something that I sort of miss. And I've been, uh, I've been, uh, <laughs> I keep procrastinating cause it's, it's, it's hard to sit down and write and, and exercise those writing muscles, but I've been trying to, you know, get back to writing at least 20 minutes a day and things like that, because I used to write things that were longer pieces, and, um, 
uh, more and more what started to happen was, you know, because of the way that information's, um, you know, spread about through social media and stuff, people don't sit down and read 15 page articles anymore. They have time for, if you can't grab them in a minute or two, they're going to swipe and go do something else. So that's why it, it started becoming, you know, on, on Facebook and Instagram or whatever it is, it, it started becoming one sentence or two sentences or something with a, it was just a thought bubble as opposed to, you know, writing this whole thing and, and meandering through and collecting thoughts and, and making this big point in, in five, six, maybe 10, 15 pages. Um, it, it just became this, this whole meme thing. So, um, and it's, it's been, I think it's, I think people respond to it. Um, I initially said I would never do it that way, but it just, <laughs> just kind of turned into that. So, I mean, it, I it think, seems to work. And- I think people respond to it very, very well. And I think that um, the reason why they respond to it is because as we talked about those different phases in the firefighter career, we all, we all, find ourselves in one of those phases right now today. And however, whether we are in that same phase or we're above it or below it, um, those memes, you know, resonate with us, you know, when we read it. So like, I know that, you know, when I see them popped up, I'm like, you know, it may not hit me today, but I truly believe into it because it was something that, you know, may affected me in phase number two. And that's where I kind of, um, you know, look at like your, you fully involved where it, where it actually is a blog, but you know, the, the big four that you had came up with and that I think resonate with a lot of people and a lot of people in the fire service to, you know, that big four that I'm referring to, you know, do your job, treat people right, all out effort, all in attitude. Um, those short, sweet to the point, but also these, this individual that says, you know what, uh, the fire service is about being down and dirty. It's about, you know, we are low staffed all the time. We do have to get the job done and there's nobody else to call besides the fire department. When you have a problem, you call the fire department, and they got to solve it. So I kind of just use this example the last week when I talked about a position um, here when uh, at the fire department, when we get called, it's like, you know, maybe not everybody's a dad at home, but everybody, you know, if you take care of a house, that's no different. Like you got a, you got a problem to solve at the home. The toilet broke or the sink is needs this, the grass needs mowed, the kids need their, you know, diaper change, the tire needs fixed, the oil needs changed. You got to do, you're a master of everything. So the individuals that find themselves in the fire service, I believe are those individuals that, you know, I kind of live by, which, you know, good dad, good leader, you know, kind of both, you know, one in one in the same. So with, with you making up all these things uh, that are very short, sweet to the point is why so many people connect to it. So how, in what phase did that happen with Mark Von Hoppen to say, you know what, I want to create this big four and this kind of big push, because I see this on, you know, bay doors at firehouses hung up on signs in the, in the station at different places, you know, so that's huge. So to your question, where did it come from? Um, it, it, that has its origins in when I first got promoted to company officer and, and it's based in um, the, the, the chemistry that we had with one of the first crews that I was working with, right? We had a really good blend of, um, you know, just all the, the types of personalities that you have in the fire service. And, and we had a lot of young people that were on, you know, the, the station I worked at, we had an engine, uh, a paramedic unit. Uh, so three on the engine, two on the paramedic unit. And we had, um, a rescue company that had three people on it. Um, and what it came from was just those four things came from just watching people around our firehouse and how they behaved and, and, and how they, um, and they just became reminders of like, they were, there were behaviors that I saw, the, the firefighters they're engaged in. And we had a really special group of people there. And I think, you know, I've said it before that if, if you really look around, you know, every group of people in the firehouse is pretty special. I think I don't, I, you know, there are those people that, that are tired and, and at the end of their career and they may not seem very excited about it, but firefighters at their core givers. Um, and when pushed, that's what they're going to do. They're always going to do the right thing. Um, you know, so it, it came from that and, and all of those things were, that was our, our way of holding each other accountable. And so all I did was, was observe what they were, what we were all doing together as a group and, and put words to it. And I, I spoke to the other captains at the station. I said, Hey, this is, this is what I see all of our people doing. And I'd like to put 
words to it. Are you okay if we put these things up on the wall as, as reminders? And that became our, our accountability system. You know, do your job, you know, win your individual battle every single day, treat people right. You know, that means your brothers and sisters in the firehouse, give all that effort and have an all in attitude, just show up, you know, you know, take care of you, how you're going to show up and, and be proactive in how you show up every day and, and, you know, take ownership of, of your situation. And that's, that's kind of where it came from. And, and, and it's, you know, it, again, it was something that, that I observed all of us doing together and just put words to it. So I derive my inspiration from people that, that I work with and going around the country and, and having it reinforced everywhere I go that, that firefighters are just good people at their, at their core. So those are the types of people I want to be around. And so that's, that's where it came from is, I mean, that was a long explanation for a short, short answer, but um, yeah, that was, that was where it came from. It came from a group of people and, and, you know, some people that, that don't understand my personality or the blog, or some people will just think it's, it's just me pointing and saying, these, you know, do these four things or whatever. No, it's like the, everything that I post every single day is something that I've pondered or something that um, they're pep talks I have with myself. That's what the big four is. The big four is, is for me to remind myself of, you know, and I, I, it's a struggle sometimes. I'm not, I'm not always that person. I mean, I'm, I'm human just like everybody else and being the human condition is not easy. So, and that's something that we all struggle with. So, but if, if we're, if we're mindful of those things and then the way I describe it is, you know, if excellence is the summit, the big four is our base camp. And the big four is, is how we remain grounded and how we stay near the top of our game. So we never fall too far off the mountain. If, if we're doing those four things every single day, and, and if, if we're not, if we hold each other accountable, if, you know, that that's the basis of accountability is, is doing it for each other. Um, not, not, you know, breaking someone off if they step out of line it's it's, it's reminding each other of things that's accountability in my my opinion so. and that's a that's a good key point too because it's a it's um accountability for each other you know i hold myself accountable so i can be better at my job because i might be in a situation with you type of thing um and rather than peer-to-peer accountability i just think is just so much better than you know being held accountable when you don't think you should be, you know, maybe by a boss oh, or whatever. Else. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and nothing, nothing stings more than when your brothers or sisters in the firehouse tell you, Hey dude, you're not, you're not living up to who you said you'd be and you're not holding up your end of the bargain, you know, pick up your game. You're like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I got to you know, <laughs> yeah. I got to you know, that, that hurts. I mean, you know, I, you know, getting in, you know, getting written up or something for, for, you know, some sort of a policy slip or, or, you know, not getting something done on time. I mean, that, that sucks too, but it, 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 it's not, that's easier to deal with than than the disappointment of the people that you, you know, um, uh, live with, you know, and and it's like, you know, it's like you said, it's like being a parent and and the more, (laughs) the farther I go, um, the more I look at, leadership is and, and mentoring is, is exactly like parenting. There's, there's so many parallels to it. And, um, you know, the difference is sometimes in the workplace, people are more willing to listen to you than your kids are. <laughs> I was just going to say, so. that's kind of funny. I was just going to say that because, uh, um, you know, my oldest is uh, 22 and going to be 23 and my youngest is 18, just graduated high school last year. And, um, yeah. And I would say that you probably get a lot of, a little bit more, uh, uh, receptiveness out of the individuals at the workplace more than I do my, my own kids sometimes. But, um, but just having that, uh, that standard, I guess, you know, this is what's accepted. This is what's not accepted being clear and transparent and over communicating and early and often just all those, just like basic things that I strive to have when I was on, you know, on the job, uh, more underneath, you know, poor leadership that you just wish that you would just had that, you know, from somebody. And, um, because, like you, like we talked a little bit ago is that, you know, people want to do a good job. I, I, I firmly believe that nobody wakes up in the morning and comes to work and says, you know what? I just want to, I just want to mess everything up today. Like I just want to, everything I do, everything I touch, I want to break it and not do it right. And I just want to be this biggest piece of crap today. You know, I just don't <laughs> believe people think like that. Like, you know, but then I, I feel like some leaders or some fire chiefs or some company officers, they look at their people like they are intentionally 
messing up. And maybe, maybe it's like, it's like the time when I worked in the construction business and I messed up all the time because I got yelled at all the time and I was nervous, you know? So like I try to apply that same thing of like, maybe we aren't creating the environment for that person to, you know, develop in and evolve in and, you know, and feel comfortable that it's okay to make a mistake, you know, that sort of thing, but live out your comfort zone. Cause otherwise you will find them just sitting in the recliner and not having any work ethic or initiative or whatever, because the least I can touch, then I don't mess anything up. Well, I think that that brings us back to the beginning of the conversation. And I said, it's all about relationships and it's all about people. And I think that that's the biggest mistake that we can make is expecting everyone to be, um, exactly like us um and do things exactly the way that we would do things and and um and arrive at the same conclusions the same way that we would it it doesn't work that way and that's you know that's why i say that empathy is such a huge um word in leadership that i don't think gets enough credence it's it's being able to see things through the eyes of other people and put yourselves in their shoes and their situation because you know that's the that's the 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 basis for you know why diversity is important not only you know in in the the um you know the the classic sense of diversity and having a diverse workforce but it's also diversity in thought it's it's understanding that that people can arrive at the same destination in a different way and that's where when you have that trust and you understand which people are capable of and you can let them go and and allow them to arrive at conclusions on their own and step in only when necessary. That's that's where coaching and mentoring is so important. You you step in, you you stand back and you're watching. You're watching everything. You see what's going on. And you you keep informed, but you don't step in at every juncture. You step in, you, you observe, and and then if someone comes to you and says, "Hey, can I pick your brain?" You say yes, and then you offer your your thoughts. Or if you see something where someone's about to commit some sort of a, you know, uh, an error that can't be fixed. You go, Oh, hold on. You, know, you step in and you say, mm-hmm. those but you know, otherwise if, if you don't do that, you're micromanaging. And I, I think that the, the difficult thing, I think, as you get higher within the organization, and this is what I've seen, you know, from, from friends of mine who've, who've moved up is I think that, um, people think it's a crutch that people are overworked. They say that they're overworked and we're short staffed and all that stuff. But I, I believe it. It's absolutely true. And I think that you get so task focused that, that sometimes you do lose sight of, of the people. And I think that it's a function of being overworked. I don't think that necessarily any of them are bad people or set off, set out to do something that is malicious or whatever, but they're getting pressures from, from other places to, you know, um, <laughs> break people off sometimes and and they have bosses too and so I, I i think that it's it's just um it's it's difficult to maintain you know to keep your eye on on the horizon and see what's out there um and then and then maintain you know keep your feet on the ground and and be rooted with your people um but it's vital and and what you know i that's why i say that the company officer's position is probably the most important in the fire service. And I've, I've gotten some pushback on that from some people, but I think that if, if you're really in tune as, as a fire chief or a battalion chief with your company officers and you take what they bring to you and this is what's happening on the streets and this is what the people are saying, this is what the people are feeling, um, you know, and you work together to solve those problems, um, you know, the company officers can be a vital, you know, go between, between, you know, the, the staff and the line. Uh, but sometimes, again, there's there's just a disconnect, and 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 some chiefs just feel like firefighters are just inherently whining, and you know, and they don't want to listen. And I, so. I I truly believe that the company officer position, middle management position, is you know the most vital in the organization. They're 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 hearing it from the troops, then they're also hearing it from the administration, you know, and then there's a balance in between. So the messages that they have to sell, um, and then especially if you you know, depending on the type of chief that you work for. Um, that message may be poorly delivered all the time and maybe poorly delivered or communicated late and not early and not often. And, you know, you, you got to have this kind of mindset of just dropping nuggets sometimes and not always have decisions, you know, that are expect decisions right away. Uh, but not forget to don't forget where you came from as fire chief either, you know, um, because the the 
it's it's about that time, but you didn't spend it with the time, and it's easy, you know. Like being in that position, um, this is a new organization for me that I came to, which is about you know double the size of where I the the previous department that I was at, and you do find yourself that uh, it's easy to say, hey, I'm just too busy for this or too busy for that, um, to to not spend the time with your people. But um, if you don't spend the time with your people and and kind of get the what the boots on the ground are actually like feeling, saying, and needing, then um, you're gonna completely missed the boat because quite honestly, I'm a firm believer in servant leadership. So, um, you know, just, uh, if we don't understand what they're going through on a regular day basis, then I, you know, I feel like my job is just to make sure that I provide them all the resources for them to be able to successfully do their job and create an environment that people want to be around. Well, I think that that's why it's so important to understand that, that, you know, there, there's this, sometimes there's this push to, to promote as quickly as possible. And then you don't really understand, you know, what the people are going through because you never did it. And that's the hard thing is you can't, you can't be a fire chief if you never spent a lot of time in the trenches and you weren't really invested in in being in the trenches and things like that. So, you know, it's, um, you know, some people forget where they came from because they never, they were never, they were never there in the first place. You know, and so that's, that's what's tough. And I think that, I think the thing that's important too, is that is, you know, we have to, we have to stress, you know, you as a fire chief uh, to your company officers, Hey, we have to, you know, you have to support the organization. You have to support the mission. And, and we, as company officers, you know, when I was working as a company officer, you have to, you know, you have to limit the, the shit talk. You can let the people do it, let them get it out of their system, but then get them up and get them moving and get them doing things that they like doing, you know, training and doing things like that. Um, because it can become super cancerous. Um, one of the things that I've floated the idea of is having a, an executive communication team, which I think is super important, where you've got company officers that that can vet messages and you you send out messages, you know, as the fire chief or as a deputy chief or whoever, you send out these messages to your company officers first, get feedback, get the inter- how do they interpret it, how do they read it, and then maybe they can help you craft it in a way that's more you know, palatable to the membership. And then by the company officers understanding and hearing what the message is first, they're better able to speak in an educated manner to those, to those messages when they come out, when, when, you know, the fire, the firefighters read an email and they say, what the is this, you know, and they're, they're losing their mind because that's their first, you know, when, when changes occur, people, the first thing that people assume the worst always, um, you know, you can, when I, as a company officer, have the background, understand where it's coming from, understand the intent, understand the message, and it's clear to me, I can speak to those issues, and we can put those fires out in the firehouse before they get bigger. You can say, hey, well, listen, okay, actually, this is what it means. I understand you can look at it through this lens, but this is the lens of the organization. This is what we're doing, and this is what we're trying to do to move forward. And if, if we can employ and get everybody on the same page, the problem is, you know, I, I, and it, it sounds simple enough to do, but as you know, I mean, how many different, how many platoons do you have in your department, Chief? We have three. Okay. So you got three. So you got three ways of doing it, mm-hmm. plus the fire department way, plus, you know, different ways of doing it within each platoon. So it's, you know, it, it's, if we could just get everybody on the same communication page, that would help because rumor and innuendo um, uh, is, is one of the biggest, uh, you know, killers of, of anything in the fire service. And it takes, yeah, a, it so. takes a lot of work. I mean, it takes a lot of work and you really want you, you got to really put it as a center focus, um, to make sure that you're communicating because like being on this side, you know, like the firefighters for you said, one is I, I'm a firm believer that company officers of any level need to be notified first before anything goes out to the rest of the firefighters. So that should be at a you know regular officers meeting or whatever to discuss it. And then that way, when they're approached by the firefighters, but nothing's worse than, um, just, uh, on a, on a regular basis being involved at the, uh, at the firehouse where you're as in the chief level, you're trying to, I feel like I'm just like a broken record sometimes, you know, like you're, you're saying it over and over and over again. What I've had to come to understand is saying that that's what it takes because, you know, if we have a labor management meeting, we have a regular chiefs meeting, an all officers meeting, all staff meeting. Um, and then just majority of the times doesn't even have to be a formal meeting. 
eating lunch at the kitchen table, have this start to drop the nuggets, start having the conversation. So then people start talking about it. And yes, you become uh, like, you feel like you've, you don't know who you've told the, you know, who you've told what. So you're saying all the same things over and over again. It's not a different story. It's just, you're just repeating yourself on repeat. And it does take a lot of work as the, in, in the, upper leadership roles, but you got, you, you got to know how important it is to, so like in the understanding of where, um, communicating early and often, I say that a lot. And I say that not only to my assistant chief and to the battalion chiefs and every, you just got to do that on a regular basis because, um, the ones that want to be involved, want to be informed. And as long as they're informed, they'll be involved. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, keep me informed and make me feel like I'm part of the process and, and allow me to make educated, you know, uh, you know, allow me to have educated conversations with my people so that I, I don't, you know, something comes out, I'm seeing it for the first time too. That's not fair. Yeah. You know, where I'm like, I'll, you know, and they, your people come to you and go, what's this? And you go, I don't know. Hold on. Let me read it again. You know, and, just like, <laughs> and then, well, it sounds like this to me, but I guess I got to figure it out. So it's, you know, it's the whole idea that I, I always, talk about you know when we're trying to create new new things it's or create change it's or, or train somebody in something it's introduce install implement let everybody know what you're going to do in a meeting so you know it's it's football stuff you know introduce the idea walk through it talk through it do all that stuff install that idea that comes in practice right that comes on the training ground that comes whatever um and then then you implement it you know, that, then that's game time. You, you do those, the first two eyes and the third one comes along and it's not the first time you've done it. It's not the first time you've talked about it. Unfortunately, you know, as I've said before, you know, um, firefighters are not master communicators, they're doers and they're, they're great at putting their head down and going, but they're not necessarily great at, at, you know, conversating, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, very true. communicating. So, um, you know, there is, um, there's one other thing I want to get in uh, that I want to talk to you about, and that is, um, and I don't know why this Teams thing just popped up and said that I only had five minutes left in this meeting. So if it does jump off, then um, can you reconnect? Because I, I want to talk to you about one, one you know, a couple other topics. So. No, I got other things to do. Let's get on it. Yeah, Let's get go. on it. Okay. So you got I'm five minutes. Get to, okay. So uh, one of the things is is that um, you, you, held the, you held the company officer position for a while on a suppression rig. Um, and I'll, many departments are preparing next level company officers for their, for promotions, for future, future promotions. Um, what advice to, would you give to firefighters that are looking to promote up, um, where, what they should do, how they could begin preparing themselves and, and then maybe, then maybe just evolve that into what to expect when you do ride that seat, when you do get into that seat. And maybe if there's different phases like firefighters, if there's different phases for company officers as you go through your career. Well, I would guess, you know, the, the best advice I could give to somebody is, you know, early on in your career, you know, while you've got the time and the energy, learn as much as you can, take as many classes as you can. Um, but always be that person that's, that's, willing to step up and step in and, and, and help out. Um, I think that we have to tell people that, um, you know, your jacket that you wear throughout your career is usually, you know, put on within your first year. Um, and, and, um, you know, just, just live your life and live your career in a certain way so that when you do take a test, you do get promoted. People say, Hmm, that makes sense. That person has been that person all along. Um, you know, uh, God, what was the next part of the question? I don't remember. So These multi-parted, multi-pronged questions messed me up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the, the next part would be like, so after you're in the seat, after you're in the seat and you're the company officer, um, do you see it as different? Like, remember we talked about the different phases as like maybe through a firefighter's career. Do you see kind of those same phases within the company officer or how do you, how do you think the company officer career goes as if it, let's say it starts, starts all over once you get promoted? I don't think it starts all over. I think that you have to have a good foundational basis um, to start as a company officer. And that's what I think sometimes where people run into trouble is they just, they, they position hop and they just, they just roll through things and they end up in a position where they don't really understand how they got to where they are. They just sort of fall forward into promotional position, promotional positions, and then achieve a certain level where they're like, Oh, I don't understand, you know, what my company officers are doing or what their job is. So, 
you know, really take the time and, and learn, learn the jobs um, and, and just know that everybody's watching. And when you're in that company officer's position, everything that you say um, is amplified. Everything has more weight. Um, and you really, you can't take plays off. You have to, you have to be that person all the time. You can still be part of the crew and you can still, um, you know, uh, have a good time with them and, and you have to be a functional team member and, and have their trust and trust is paramount. Um, but trust is also, you have to trust them to do the right thing, even when you're not looking. So, um, you know, cultivate relationships, know your job. It goes back to the, the big four, do your job, treat people right, give all that effort, have an all in attitude. I mean, if you just apply those things to, to what you do, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. So, but you know, just, just be aware that, that people are always watching and, and you're not only, you know, representation of yourself, but, uh, the organization, the fire service at large. That's a great, I appreciate that, Mark. It's a really good way of putting it. So, um, I know that there's just a lot of individuals out there that, you know, follow you on, on Facebook, have the memes, have the connection, want to be able to, um, you know, they, they look up to you. And so, uh, you have a lot of good information and I hope you do keep up the, the writing, the writing part, because all the, you know, I went back and printed a bunch of the ones that you did, because like I said, I didn't know you had the blog piece. So I do really hope that you do get back to the writing part and putting out the little bit more for those that do want to kind of see your viewpoints on the expanded parts of the little memes that you've originally posted on Facebook. So, um, but, you know, I, I do uh, really, really appreciate your time. I mean, this is uh, that's all I really had as far as the things I wanted to cover for you. If there's any other major points that you want to make sure we get the message out, then uh, have at it. No, it was super fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I, I was only kidding when I said I had better stuff to do. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I just, uh, <laughs> um, no, thank you. It was, it was a great conversation. It's always fun uh, to do these things. So thank you for, for you know, allowing me the opportunity to, to talk to, to you and be on your podcast. And it was great. And, um, you know, maybe we should try to do it again sometime. Yeah, we should. The, uh, uh Ohio fire chiefs just really appreciate it. I wish I was hoping that I was going to be able to make it down to the expo to see you and connect with you there. Cause sometimes it is a little bit different when you can actually be both in the same room, you know, kind of feeding off each other as far as the information goes. But, um, but either way, um, I'll look forward to uh, seeing your different events as you, you know, continue on the speaking path and, uh, spreading the good message of the fire service. So everybody's excited about that. And, 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 uh, I know if you, if you haven't had a chance for any of the listeners, out there if you haven't had a chance to sit in one of mark's classes um certainly make it make it a thing because um you will leave energized you'll leave ready to reset if you need to have the reset button and other uh, and and for what you know i i felt like i did um was able to be able to kind of bring back some different ways of being able to spin the words maybe saying the same thing but spin the words a little bit different that might resonate with somebody else to help you know jumpstart them if they are in that you know that phase of their career where they're having a little bit of a you know struggle to be able to get re-motivated and back on it again so do appreciate all your time mark once again and um you know keep doing what you keep up the great work man thanks chief appreciate it yep take care take care be safe you too thank you for tuning in to the triple p podcast premier professional and proactive brought to you by the ohio fire chiefs association if you'd like to hear more follow us on spotify apple google or wherever you get your podcasts And if you feel so inclined, please help us spread the word by telling your fire and EMS friends about this channel.